So I'm very happy and excited to say on Vet Talk, the veterinary podcast, today we have a guest speaker. His name is Dr. Jeff Rothstein. We had a v- lovely talk about veterinary medicine, and the next few episodes that I will be posting will be the discussion we had. But I want to introduce you a little bit to our speaker and then get right into our interview. Dr. Jeff Rothstein bought his first veterinary practice within one year of graduating veterinary school. From that, he built it into a multi-hospital network, the Progressive Pet Animal Hospital, which he merged into Mission Veterinary Partners in 2017. Dr. Rothstein is a longtime contributor to a number of practice management journals, and that's where I first learned about him. And he has over 100 articles to his credit. Please check those out. I've found them very informative. He has served on the advisory board of Veterinary Economics and Veterinary Practice News. He currently serves on the board of directors of Mission Veterinary Partners and the Professional Animal Wellness Group, Paul, and is on the advisory board of Snout Incorporated. One of the reasons I'm reaching out to Dr. Rothstein is he enjoys working with veterinary students and new and recent graduates with a focus on how to succeed in practice and the overall veterinary profession. He is a VBMA-approved speaker, um, which may be one of the reasons I thought it was so easy talking to him during the interview. And he also has a particular interest in veterinary hospital real estate and design and has participated as a judge in the DVM 360 Hospital of the Year Design Contest. Dr. Rothstein lives with his family, including two dogs and three cats in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where he has resided since graduating from Colorado State University, where he received a joint DVM MBA degree. First of all, thank you for being on the podcast. I, I'm kind of tickled that you're on the podcast because when I graduated vet school, I, I didn't have any business training. So I, I'm not sure when you started writing articles, but I remember reading them and then taking them and applying them to my business. And I'm like, you've helped me grow my business over the years. So I wanted to thank you for that, but also hope that some of our discussions will help some other people in the same way that you've helped me. Um, so again, thanks for being on Vet Talk. Um, and I'm here with Dr. Jeff Rothstein, and I'm looking forward to our conversations. But I think the first thing I want to talk about a little bit is you seem to focus a lot on business. Um, And I know that's not what I thought I'd be focusing on when I came out of school. You know, I thought I'd be doing surgery and treating all these cases. But as the owner of a vet clinic, that I seem to almost be focusing more on the business because the medicine comes easier to me. But what brought you to the business side of everything? And and why do you think that's important in vet medicine? Yeah, uh, good, good question. Um, and, you know, it does, it starts with me graduating um, with a combined uh, DVM MBA. I actually got my MBA the fall, well, yeah, fall semester of 93 and my DVM in May of 94. Um, so I really did them side by side. But I, um, you know, uh, am a little advanced in terms of when I got involved in uh, the veterinary profession as opposed to yourself. And I do a presentation where I show a article uh, from 
uh, vendor economics. Actually, it's a cover article, and I just discovered it like a year ago. It's <laughs> out my basement, and it was kind of about the doom and gloom in the profession and how unhappy associates were and so on. So I came into the profession basically at a time period when some of my mentors were like, I don't know if I would go into it. So the, the dean comes in the first day of school and says, you know, there will always be a, you know, a, a job for a good veterinarian. So we had, you know, a little bit of the opposite scenario where there weren't a lot of jobs available and the salaries were really low. And so being maybe the <laughs> rational person that I am maybe versus the idealist, uh, I was like, wow, I don't know. You know, I love the, you know, the medicine aspect and the intellectual aspects, but I don't know if I'm going to be happy with the compensation side of it. And so I have a little bit of a long and winding you know, <laughs> story, but ultimately I thought, you know, it does seem like it's, you know, potentially a pretty good business. And I really thought that combined degree, which Colorado State, where I graduated from, really embraced would serve the profession, you know, you know, hopefully in a lot of good ways. So I was interested in how do we solve some of those solutions um, by running, you know, the businesses more professionally. And I like to cite the well-managed practice and and how that can make a big difference. So I um, was a little bit of a maybe an outcast as far as my <laughs> class because uh, I had those two different worlds but I really have enjoyed combining both interests. And they do, as you see now when you practice, they do kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. So that was the, you know, I think the beginning interest for me in business. I never really lost that. And one of my mentors, um, he, he actually was on the podcast, my early, early podcast episodes. He uh, humored me, but I think he had an accounting minor and, you know, I just feel like he has a really well-run business, but I also feel like he's really getting patient care up. And, you know, I don't know if the two go hand in hand, but I feel like he has a good business so he can get what he needs in to, to treat animals and, and do a good job. Uh, do, do you feel like people who have some of the business are looking at the business side, realize how to help animals as a whole and maybe not just an individual case? I think so. As we were just talking about before, kind of my you know, philosophy of working on versus in the clinic. Now, I mean, certainly I've spent my time in the trenches, but you know, if you are focusing on things like customer service and the culture of the clinic, uh, I mean, I had a very simple um, mission statement and I used to you know, I would quiz my teams occasionally and say, all right, here's $20 to anybody that can, you know, <laughs> state what it is. But basically it was, you know, provide the best medical care, best customer care in a fun and profitable environment, profitable for all. But I go back to the fun and, you know, really that's just that happy culture. And so yeah. I don't think you can have the best medicine unless you have a happy team and a fun environment and kind of celebrate that veterinary bond. So I think that to me, you know, ties into the 
you know, business aspect of leadership and culture and so on. And so I was talking before that what I talk about is a well-managed practice. What are those characteristics? And you kind of can see these different uh, traits of these practices have. And ultimately, I think you end up with, you know, kind of a win-win scenario where, you, you know, it's probably a profitable clinic. You got a, you know, happy, well-compensated team and you've got, you know, happy clients and healthy pets. So um, I think that business part of it ties in that you can't just, you know, be totally focused on the medicine. Yeah. And I, I like what you said about a happy staff. I, I, I was just thinking the other day, I, I feel like this, uh, I have a good, I have good staff now. Um, I've had some good staff, but uh, uh, I was just like, Hey, we're enjoying working together. And that's how it should be. You know, it's still a job, but you know, I feel like everyone's having a good time. We're, you know, more relaxed around the animals. So I, I do like that mentality. And uh, I mean, for my staff, if they listen to this, I'm, uh, you all are doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're, do you still spend a lot of time on the clinic floor or are you a little bit more on the management side now? Sure. I would say in general for quite a few years. And again, my background, I bought a practice one year out of school and, you know, over a period of illnesses. So, you know, I was more of the, you know, maybe originally three days a week and two days a week and one day a week. Um, I do enjoy practicing. And um, but at this point, I'm not spending that much uh, time, you know, on the floor. I'll do an occasional shift, but um, have found, you know, other things to keep me busy, busy. <laughs> but you still enjoy what you're doing. So, yeah. And, you know, we um, so uh, when I merge my practice into what's become the MVP Mission Veterinary Partners about five years ago. Uh, it was kind of on a five-year time frame, and so at this point, I've got some pretty good. And we just passed the five-year mark, so I've got some pretty good flexibility as far as um, you know, being able to practice a little bit, being you know somewhat involved business-wise, um, but also you know, a time for you know good personal time as well. So I've always, even when I, you know, was uh, practicing, had a lot of other interests too outside of, you know, being on the floor. And I think, you know, that's healthy as well. Well, and I kind of, I like finding people like you, <laughs> you haven't taken the normal course or route in vet medicine. And uh, I just think that shows how many options you have in vet medicine. You don't have to just be the fit one little niche. There's so much that vets can do. I have some friends going into the military, um, you know, various things. And I was like, I, I like that about our profession that it's not just one thing. It's you can, you can find something that you're passionate about and apply that to vet medicine. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that people can see that example with you. Um, you mentioned uh, Mission Veterinary Partners. Could you explain what that is exactly? So Mission Veterinary Partners got started about five years ago. Uh, it was a time when it, what I saw going on in the profession anyway was every other week or every other month, 
the bigger groups were buying some of the um, landmark practices, uh, whether it was in the Metro Detroit area or you know could be many parts of the country. And so what I envisioned was or saw happening was that, you know, all the practices are going to be owned by a VCA or a Banfield or, you know, one of the, you know, other large groups like an NVA. And so we wanted to do something that was a little bit different um, than some of the bigger groups and a little more, I guess, foreign by, you know, the veterinarians and veterinary teams. And so, you know, our mission was to be employer of choice. And I think that model has been emulated now by, you know, a number of other groups where it's just, you know, probably just a little bit of a different feel than some of the bigger groups. And, you know, not so much, you know, negative about the, you know, bigger groups, but I think it, we've got a happy medium or balance now where there's a tremendous amount of focus on, you know, taking care of our people and having our people, you know, own part of the uh, group and have just a lot of different career opportunities. So that I think was a motive of a group like ours was, you know, take good care of our people, create, you know, career paths, as you talked about, you know, you may, you know, it's for some people, five years or 10 years of, you know, uh, looking at skin and uh, <laughs> doing dental cleanings and stuff. Some people, you know, uh, you know that becomes uh, routine for them and they want other opportunities. And some people don't even realize that they have certain skills. So they may love practicing medicine, but you know what, you're a really good leader. So maybe, you know, maybe you want to help oversee yeah. a group of clinics. So um, I think it was, you know, creating just a little different model than what was out there. And I think it's kind of changed the profession in some, some positive ways so that we weren't, you know, basically all so many clinics owned by three or four groups. Yeah. It, it sounds, it sounds like, I don't know if you stated it specifically, but it sounds like you've kind of got some good mentorship lines set up in it so that when someone comes in, they have options to help them grow whatever talents they have. Is, is that kind of what I'm getting from this? Yes. So, and I think when I first started and I bought a practice, as it turns out, it was nine months out of school. Um, I bought my first practice and it was in almost an hour. I was on the opposite side of Metro Detroit. And my wife's like, well, that's kind of far away. And I was like, well, I really want to build a group of practices because I think that you can get really insular or isolated in, in one practice. And there's that Beatles song stuck inside these four walls, never getting anywhere. I, um, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Yeah, <laughs> that you, know, you can end up working in the same practice for 20 years with the same team. And I don't think that necessarily breeds the best medicine. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I was a pretty social person. And so, I really enjoyed being, you know, able to go to location A, B, C, or D and learn from other people. And it, you know, I just saw all these different benefits. You know, you might have a, you know, uh, 
location down south of you, south side of town, maybe yeah. somebody's out sick. So now you can loan some staff to those people. And you just really learn, you know, uh, best ways and you talk cases. So I think it um, is tremendously helpful. Now you can extrapolate that into a, you know, bigger group. And then, yeah, the mentoring um, becomes a really, you know, phenomenal um, piece of that. And, and there's mentoring in a lot of different ways. It can, obviously, there's a lot of, you know, medical surgery, but but some of it is the business side, you know, um, and, and even sometimes just looking at, you know, oh, wow, look at the flow of this clinic versus the flow, flow of that. So, um, yeah. that to me has, you know, been really significant. So I, I noticed I was looking around to see where some of the MVP practices are. None in Kentucky yet, it didn't look like. Um, you know, we were in 34, you know, plus you know, 35 plus states. So <laughs> almost most places. And it really sometimes you get a hub in, in different areas. And they and it just you know uh, sometimes you're buying a couple of practices or more from somebody in an area, yeah. but a lot of times friends may refer or you've got a network, so it's easier to you know mm -hmm. have ten clinics in you know Nashville area or something like that where you can you know really oversee those. But by the same token, we have plenty that are you know uh, very much you know standalone and not that close to other practices and. Now, of course, you know, with COVID, we get so good at the Zoom and, and stuff, you don't necessarily have to, you know, uh, visit practices as much as I think we once thought you did. Yeah, yeah. Now, it it sounds like you've more kind of acquired practices that are out there. Do you start practices up to or is it more someone's like, you know what, I need more than I can. I'm in over my head and. I reach out to MVP and say, "Hey, uh, how do I join?" Or, or, or do you start practices too? Yeah, no, great question. Mostly acquisition, and uh, it doesn't not so much from my my philosophy per se, but in my you know own time, I was buying you know success when I bought practice four or five or six. And it was nice to already have positive cash flow and, and so on. Mm -hmm. So, and you had, you know, you already knew, hey, I'm not starting in a location where who knows if that's going to be the $300,000 practice or the million dollar practice. But de novo or starting of practices um, is something that um, groups like ours and others tend to take a close look at now. There's some that really focus particularly on that, but practices became pretty darn costly and so being able to you know start one from the ground up has its advantages potentially you know cost wise because some practices go for you know multiple millions of dollars so uh, just uh, from that aspect but sometimes there's a demographic where you may want to be and um, if you can start and the other thing and I had the experience of owning a number of the Banfield charters, which was interesting because as you started those, um, you just built your culture. You didn't inherit one. So imagine, you know, when you're buying practices and especially, you know, multiple practices, you got a lot of different cultures <laughs> and ways, you know, and people are used to doing things certain ways. And some of those habits, you know, uh, are, you know, 
hard to hard to break hard to break <laughs> you know even if you put in a you know whatever there's a new manager or something but when you start fresh you can really you know as you've done you know just create that environment and so Genovo has a little bit of that you know uh, plus as well you can build a team you know from the ground up and and I feel like you've touched on it a little already I think there's and I don't know if it's justified or not, but I think there's a stigma against corporate and, and I have it. But when I sit down and plan what I want my clinic to become, a lot of the things I'm thinking about, satellite offices, et cetera, et cetera, uh, almost it gets a very corporate feel. And I feel like you're kind of in a corporate situation. It's not a bad thing. Do you feel like the, the stigma we might have in the profession against corporate is justified or maybe, maybe not. <laughs> you know, I don't want to say you're talking to the, the corporate guy, but um, so <laughs> I, I had some good experience, right. In, in terms of having worked with the Mars family and, and Banfield going back to Banfield days, when I was graduating veterinary school, I was doing, I used to do, uh, board review studies uh, at different veterinary schools, you know, prepping for boards. And so I was a lot of times at the veterinary schools when Banfield was doing presentations and people were boycotting, you know, and protesting outside the <laughs> lecture halls when they were, were there. So that, that's the beginning of, of corporate, but um, it is, it's changed tremendously and again, I think groups like ours that took a you know a little different approach made a a nice difference. So now, if anything, I think uh, there really is um, I don't even know if this the word stigma is there. Uh, what I see is um, a lot of the groups are do a great job with mentoring, and so many of the new graduates are you know flocking to groups that have a good reputation for mentoring as opposed to maybe going to a, a single hospital where they're not as trusting that that you know mentoring yeah. program mm -hmm. is going to be as high powered so i suppose there's always some people that you know may you know still think you know, on the smaller side and you're down in Kentucky and maybe a little bit of a more rural area. So I think it's really changed dramatically and the majority of students, and, and maybe it'll change when they're out three to five years. I don't, yeah. I think it's a really healthy mix of um, group own is the way I like to look at it versus independent. And I think there's, there's room for both, but I don't see um, at this point in time, the student population or uh, new and recent graduates or really anybody, um, you know, not, you know, uh, staying clear of the, the corporates. And, and, you know, maybe there's some enticing, you know, uh, aspects of, of, the, of the corporates that um, certainly have them take a close look. It kind of sounds like do your research and find what you're comfortable with, whether it's corporate or individually owned you know there's going to be pros and cons for each individual person yeah or maybe each 
practice because keep in mind many many of the group owned practices now are mm-hmm. still you know under their original name and so mm-hmm. they're their own little entity and so a lot of times it's like well I like this team. I like, you know, yeah. this, you know, more and more people like the multiple doctor practice um, scenarios. So a lot of those are group owned, but I think it's a lot about those people. And then, like I said, okay, well, here's my primary location, but you know what? The group I'm associated with, you know, five miles down the street has a clinic that's really good in orthopedics or reproduction. And so yeah. those are the type of things that I think, you know, um, can be really helpful. Yeah. So we're going to take a little break here and then we'll come back at our next episode and we'll talk with Dr. Rothstein a little bit about career planning and how to manage uh, your life in veterinary medicine. I'm Dr. Nathan. Thanks for listening. I hope our discussions are valuable to you and aid in giving perspective. If you want to contact us, please reach out to theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find a complete list of the podcast episodes on SoundCloud. If you find this information helpful and want more content, please join our Patreon, patreon.com slash theveterinarypodcast. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash theveterinarypodcast. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope this information is helpful to you. If you do find it helpful, please like it, share it, so other people may find it helpful as well.